This is something that is a powerful indicator of the true nature of our hearts. Every child of God will hear the Word of God when it confronts something in their life, and the child of God will yield to it. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that is going into him that can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person." So as we move today from the previous passage ending there in verse 13, we recall just where we are in the whole context of Jesus's ministry here. The scene there at Gennesaret is just recently behind us. And right before that was, of course, that unforgettable night on the sea, the night of the wind and the waves. Jesus prays all night and then he comes to the disciples walking on the water in the greatest theophany of Mark's gospel so far. This theophany, this declaring, this revealing, this showing Himself to be God. Three ways He comes to show Himself to be God. He treads on the water in the Old Testament imagery of the God who puts the water under His feet. He meant to pass them by, Mark using the distinctive Old Testament language that denotes a revealing, a showing of God to His people in a particular occasion, in a particular moment. And then thirdly, He says to them as He comes to the boat, to take courage, have heart. I am, I am. In that distinctive phrase that speaks to us of the covenant name of Yahweh. The next morning they come to the shore at Gennesaret and in that short episode in Mark's Gospel, which was really several weeks long most likely, this episode in which Gennesaret is portrayed to us as the picture of faith, the, the stark opposite, the polar opposite of Nazareth that was the picture of unbelief where in Nazareth nobody believed anything about him much less that he could heal or anything like that. Here in Gennesaret, they believed at least that he was able to heal. And so in their belief, they are bringing the sick to him in the droves. And they're bringing them and putting them in the marketplaces. And Jesus is healing by the hundreds and even perhaps by the thousands. And so this period here in Gennesaret in which so much healing and so much belief is taking place, at least belief that he's able to heal, perhaps even some believe more than that. But in this period, this Gennesaret period, this of course brings the interest of the Pharisees and the scribes once again. They make yet another trip up from Jerusalem in order to investigate because they have sworn to put him to death and they have confided with the Herodians and conspired together to put him to death and they are just seeking reason to do so. And so hearing of what's going on there, they make another trip up. They hear, they witness actually his disciples not ritually, ceremonially washing their hands prior to eating 
Of course, Jesus is in the marketplace touching and moving among all kinds of people. And these things are a violation not of the law of God, but of the traditions that they have established. And so these scribes and these Pharisees, as we saw last week, stand for us as examples of those who have a low opinion of Scripture, a low opinion of the commandments of God, although they are masquerading as those who have the highest of opinions of God's Word. So pretending to be the protectors and those who make their living, so to speak, as the scribes, in the commandments of God, in the law of God, they nonetheless have a very deficient and very low view of the Scriptures because, first of all, they, they see the Scriptures as something that needs them to clarify and explain the Scriptures to God's people. They deny the doctrine of the clarity of Scripture. And then not only that, but they also the de- deny the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture, that God's commands and God's Word is not enough for, pe- for His people. Instead, they need them to help and to add their commandments along with it in order to make God's Word and God's commands sufficient for God's people. And so having such a low view of Scripture, Jesus then declares to them as they come and they ask Jesus this very imposing question, why are your, your disciples not washing their hands? Nothing to do, of course, with hygiene, but why are they not following the ceremonial rituals, the commandments of the scribes and the Pharisees and the rabbis? And Jesus answers by saying, well written was Isaiah's words of you, for he wrote this about you. He wrote that your hearts are far from me, though your lips may honor me, your hearts are far from me because you make into doctrine the commandments of men. And though your hearts are so far from me, you and your hypocrisy are far from me, though your lips proclaim to know me and honor me and praise me, your hearts are very far from me. So though they want to portray themselves as having this dual authority, the authority of God's word, along with their traditions, Jesus very plainly tells us no such thing can exist. God's word cannot exist in a co-authority because when you have accepted the authority of your traditions and your regulations, you have in effect nullified the commandments of God. He says so three times in words and language very clear. You have nullified, you have canceled, you have declawed, you have dehorned, you have made void the Word of God in order to grasp and seize and hold upon your own traditions and your own regulations. So in effect, you have declared the Word, the commandments of God to be null and void because you wanted instead your traditions. And so declaring such things to them, that now leads us into the passage that begins in verse 14. Now, pardon me, if the passage last week could be described as a passage describing true heart worship or true worship, then the passage this week could be described as describing true defilement. True worship followed by a passage that teaches us of true defilement. So beginning here in verse 14, we begin reading by these words, and he called the people to him again and said to them. So in my mind, I picture this scene here in Gennesaret as the scribes and the Pharisees come. Jesus is always surrounded by a crowd of people. We've seen that since chapter one of Mark's gospel. Jesus is never alone unless he goes to extreme efforts gets up before the sun comes up, goes to a mountain all night by himself to pray. Those are the only occasions that Jesus is alone. The rest of the time, Jesus is mobbed by a group of people, by flocks and and crowds of people. So the picture that I have here is Jesus is being crowded around by the people he's healing, he's teaching, he's instructing. And into this crowd come these scribes and these Pharisees to make their accusations to Jesus. Jesus, why do your disciples not follow the traditions of our fathers, of our elders? 
And Jesus then has that interchange with them, that conflict with them. And after that, the, I, I picture that the crowd that's around Jesus sort of backs up as these scribes and these Pharisees are here and they're accusing Jesus in their face. And there's this back and forth there. And as all this is taking place, the crowd is maybe they take a step or two back and they're listening and they're watching along. And then the interchange between, between the scribes and the Pharisees and Jesus comes to an end as Jesus declares to them that you are the hypocrites who have such a deficient view of God's word. Now, at the conclusion of that, maybe the scribes once again are now the scribes and the Pharisees are once again left speechless as they so often are. If you've ever noticed in the gospel accounts how often Jesus's critics are left speechless without an answer to give to him. And so perhaps at the end of that exchange, the scribes and the Pharisees are again left speechless. They don't know what to say. And being speechless, they then maybe slink away or they withdraw into the crowd. And after doing so, then Jesus maybe looks around, looks at those who have been watching and listening in on this exchange. And then he calls them back into himself. So he called the people, the crowd, back into him again. And calling them back into them to him, uh, after the scribes and the Pharisees have left, he calls them back into himself. He says to them, hear me, all of you, and understand this. As Jesus dismisses, so to speak, these scribes and these Pharisees by declaring to them their own hypocrisy, and they perhaps then leave on that note, one of the things that is not present in Mark's account that is present in Matthew's account is in Matthew's account between verses 13 and 14, the corresponding in Mark's account, Matthew adds these three verses of explanation. So Jesus has the interchange with the scribes and the Pharisees, and they perhaps leave. And then verse 12 of Matthew 15, we read these words. Then the disciples came and said to him, prior to Jesus calling the crowd back, then the disciples came and said to Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? So the disciples, they're watching on and they're listening in on this. And then the scribes and the Pharisees, they leave in sort of a huff. And the disciples pick up on the fact that the scribes and the Pharisees perceived that Jesus had just put them into their place and that Jesus was speaking very harshly in his rebuke to them. And so they, so they say to Jesus, Jesus, did, did you, do you understand that you just offended them? You deeply offended them. And he answered, verse 13, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. And then the next verse of Matthew's account picks up where Mark chapter 7 and verse 14 pick up. So Matthew interjects this little explanatory occasion where the disciples come and they say, Jesus, you really offended them. And then they leave in this type of offense. And so this shows us something that really just shows us the true character, the true nature of their hearts. As they are encountering the disciples here, they recognize the disciples are not following their own traditions, the rabbi's traditions, and they confront them on this. Now, the disciples have not violated any of God's law. They were not washing their hands. They were not ceremonially washing their hands before they eat. But God's word never gave any commandment for the ritual washing of hands prior to eating, except for the priests. So those who were not priests, there was no commandment of God in all of the Old Testament that spoke to any sort of ritual washing of the hands that should take place before one eats. So to be clear, the disciples had violated no commandment of God. Indeed, nowhere in all the gospel accounts do any of the disciples or Jesus ever violate a commandment of God. 
And so not violating a commandment of God, but nonetheless violating a tradition of the elders, they come and they confront Jesus. And Jesus then says to them, in your hypocrisy, you have put away the commandments of God and clung to your own tradition. And now confronting them with this reality of their their refusal to give the authority to the word of God and instead giving it to the commandments of God and confronting with them with them with this and their offense, they then leave. And now leaving, we see something of the nature of their heart because Jesus confronts them with the reality of their heart and refusing to hear that and refusing to accept that they leave in offense. And I think the explanation for this comes to us in John chapter three, verse 19. And this is the judgment says Jesus, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so Jesus, the light comes and he exposes the darkness of the hearts of the scribes and the Pharisees and having their, the darkness of their hearts exposed, they are offended. They are angered. They are incensed at Jesus because Jesus has exposed the darkness of their hearts. Now, Jesus confronts them with the commands, the written word of God. He says to them, thus it is written by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah wrote well when he wrote this, and this applies to you. And so he confronts them with the written word of God. And instead of hearing that and being convicted and repenting, they instead dig their heels deeper into the traditions to which they hold. As Jesus has exposed with the light of the word, he has exposed the darkness of their deeds and the darkness of their hearts. They nevertheless hold more firmly onto the darkness which they love in their heart. And this shows us something of the genuine nature of their heart. We read in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. They recognize my voice and they follow me. And this is something that the disciple of Christ can look to themselves and see very plainly in their own life. All of us have aspects of our thought patterns, of our attitude patterns, of our behavior patterns. All of us have things that the Word of God addresses in our life. All of us have, as we talked last week, these traditions that we love and that we hold dear. And sometimes those traditions are good. Sometimes they are neutral. Sometimes they're not so good. But when Scripture comes up against those, or when Scripture comes up to plainly show to us the wrong of our ways or the wrong of our thoughts or the wrong of our heart, then the child of God hears that. And perhaps not always right away, perhaps it takes some time, but the child of God will always hear the Word the word of God and will always yield to it eventually. Whereas the one who is not the child of God will being confronted by God's word will hear that, but will reject it and will not yield to it. You know how Mark has focused in his gospel nearly from the beginning upon the contrast between those who hear and yield, those who hear and submit and those who hear and do not submit. And here we see once again, the scribes and the Pharisees, they have heard the word of God that Jesus has quoted to them and they have refused to submit to it, but instead they have grown even harder in their hearts. And this is something that is a powerful indicator of the true nature of our hearts. Every child of God will hear the word of God when it confronts something in their life and the child of God will yield to it 
although not always right away. Sometimes it's a process. Sometimes it's a battle with the heart. Sometimes it's a battle with the flesh. But the child of God will hear the word of God and submit to it. And this in my life has been a powerful, powerful indicator to me of oftentimes the hearts of men and women. I will never forget one experience many, many, many years ago in which we were in a context in, in another church, obviously. And the context of this church was this church had a, a choir loft. And we're familiar with churches that would hire, have a choir loft. And this particular choir loft had uh, fixed uh, pews in the choir loft. And the discussion was taking place about the pews in the choir loft and how because the pews were fixed, they, they wasn't allowing the space to be used in another sort of way. And perhaps if the pews weren't there, they were, they were sort of in the way. And so, so the discussion was centering around these pews in the, in the choir loft. And I, uh, being the pastor, I made a suggestion. I said, what if we took the pews out of the choir loft and replaced them with chairs that could be moved if needed? And... I'll never forget to my dying day. I'll never forget a leader of the church responding with these words. You will take those choir pews out over my dead body. And he wasn't joking. And so there was this tradition, this beloved tradition that was neither right or wrong. Going back to last week, neither right nor wrong, but it was something held close and held held dear in the heart of one who was willing to say, over my dead body, they'll be removed. Now that sort of thing is an indicator of the true nature, the true character of the heart. I have heard these words come out of people's mouth. And you probably have heard these words too. I have heard out of the mouth of those who profess to be followers of Christ when confronted with the Scripture that would refute some sort of doctrine that they hold or some sort of way of thinking that they hold or way of belief that they hold, I have heard out of the mouth of those who profess to be Christians, I don't care what the Bible says, this is what I'll continue believing. I've heard those words. And maybe you've heard those words too. And that's just an indicator. Like the Pharisees and scribes, we don't care what Isaiah says. This is what we say. This is what we believe. And that is the heart that on the surface may pretend to love the Word of God and love the people of God, but deep down is dark. Deep down clings to the authority of man and deep down clings to beloved traditions and customs. And when the Word of God perhaps comes against those, then sides are taken definitively and quickly and sometimes very shockingly. So this is a key indicator, a helpful indicator for us in our own life. Watch your own life. Regard your own life. When the Word of God comes against thought patterns, attitude patterns, when the Word of God confronts you and how you live or how you believe or how you treat others, do you yield to the Word? Is the Word automatically the authority? Or... In your heart, are you willing to say, well, the Word may say that, but that's not what I believe. That's not what I'm going to do. 